you're listening to the Trinity Podcast. We are a multi-site church in the Chicago area whose mission is to help you look, live, and love more like Jesus. Well, good morning, Trinity family. Good morning. It's so great to be here with y'all this gloomy morning. I know sunshine is on the horizon, right? Just tell me yes. Okay, thank you. Um, Hey, we had a great small group kickoff, right? If you were here, right? Wasn't that great? So good, so good. Um, I was texting the staff um, after the event yesterday in the evening, and I was like, man, it really feels like I should be getting ready for Monday. Um, and they all agreed, like, yeah, it does feel like that was, that was a lot. That was great church Friday, Saturday, and now here we are Sunday. We're so glad to be here with you all. One of my uh, pastors used to always say before he would get up to preach that beautiful um, scripture where it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I do, I feel that um, when I drove up this morning, I was like, man, I'm just so excited to be able to be here and worship with you guys and to gather together in this way as we continue on the series um, that we're calling Five Habits for Life. And so in this series today, what we're going to be looking at is our third value as Trinity Church, as believers in Jesus. Uh, we're going to be looking at the habit of serving. It was uh, Winston Churchill who once said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I mean, just ponder those words for a second. We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Isn't it true that humanity, we are a selfish race? Like naturally, we are selfish. From the moment that we are being formed in the womb, the baby kind of sucks the life out of their host, right? Um, Jackie told me that when she was pregnant uh, with our girls, it felt like she was hungover every single day for the entire nine months, to which I said, how do you know what that feels like, pastor's wife? (laughs) Repent and be baptized, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, humans, we are naturally just humanly selfish. It's something that's unfortunately unlearned. Um, I believe that our selfishness is a result of the fall. See, since the fall of humanity into sin, we've kind of been on this survival mode. Last week, our pastor, Nick, he shared about how him and Jenny, uh, they love watching this new show about survival. I can't remember what, what streaming platform it's on, but it's like where they kind of throw them out into the middle of nowhere and see who can last the longest. Um, I was sitting with a friend of mine at the 830 service who has, by the way, done like 10 Ironmans or men's or whatever. And he like turned over to me and he was like, man, that sounds like a lot of fun. And I was like, that sounds like a nightmare. I start wheezing after a 400 meter rut. Like that's doesn't sound great to me. I last like six hours, maybe. But we love watching these shows about survival, right? We love watching and hearing about Bear Grylls, who like, what kind of name is that, by the way? Like someone named Bear Grylls is supposed to be this, what he is today, right? Like if you're going to name your kid that, like there's a prophecy right there. But we love these shows. Even like something like, uh, I don't know, America's Got Talent, maybe, maybe not. We like watching how they are going to survive and kind of get through it. See, we have this inherent need to live, so much so that oftentimes and sometimes we will then push people over or we'll cut people down, we'll claw our way to the top. 
You see, this has been the order of fallen humanity since the first man, Adam. And how well is that going for us, right? I mean, we have the very first recorded murder in human history with the story of Cain and Abel. And since then, we've seen more murder and carnage and wars and strife and hoarding and stockpiling. See, human selfishness, it doesn't work. I mean, newsflash, the proof It's all around us. It doesn't work because all of this that we see, everything that's been created, selfishness was never supposed to work within our existence. You see, the very thing that works toward our survival is the opposite of what we naturally want to do. You see, the very thing that works toward our survival is the opposite of what we naturally want want to do. Selfishness is not the answer to our survival. Selflessness is. You see, selflessness is the answer to our survival. And so the Savior came not to be be served, but to serve. And so today our core value, our habit is to serve. But before we move any further in the message, I wonder if you would join me in prayer this morning. God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you that we're able to gather together in this way and in this space. God, all for your glory. Lord, I pray that you would continue to prepare our heart, soul, and mind to receive from you, God. And And I do pray, God, if there's anything that I say that's not in line with your word of truth, would only your word of truth fall deep within our heart, soul, and mind and move us to action, Father. Lord, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins because you know that they are many. But God, thank you that you're so faithful and you're so just to forgive us of our sins every time we come before your throne of grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we have the reading from this morning. Thank you so much for reading that over us. Today, what we're going to see is the difference between being, living to be served dying to serve, and then living to serve others. And so as we look into that a little bit further, I wonder if you could go back with me to Mark chapter 10 uh, and what we read together, verses 35 to 45. We're also going to be hanging out in Philippians chapter 2 as well. And so if you have your Bibles, you can kind of earmark both of those or have your Bible apps ready to go for that. I want us to kind of follow the narrative of what's going on here in Mark chapter 10. See, what we see going on here in the text is, is our human battle that we have, right? That on the one hand, we desire to live for Jesus, but then on the other hand, our fallen flesh tries to pull us back to our human desire for status and prestige. See, in the Gospels, we get to see the disciples, how they're constantly battling the two. But what we also see is Jesus never giving up on them, how he's constantly pointing them back to himself and then setting them back on their way as he always does, and he always will for you and for me. So back here in Mark chapter 9, And in verse 34, if you kind of go a previous chapter, um, this has been going on within the disciples for some time. So in Mark chapter 9, what's going on here is that the disciples are actually arguing against each other on who is the greatest disciple. 
And, and so Jesus is hearing what's going on, and the scriptures say in verse 35 that as he was sitting down, Jesus called the twelve over to him, and he said, anybody who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. And then just here in the next chapter 10, they carry on in the same way. And so James and John, they actually come to Jesus. And in verse 35, they say, Jesus, we want you to do whatever it is that we ask of you. And I'm kind of thinking like, who, who would talk to Jesus that way? Who would talk to their boss that way? And then you would imagine what the response would be if you did go up to your boss or someone like that and tell him, hey, I want you to do whatever it is that I ask of you. Uh, see, but I'm surprised with how Jesus responds here humbly. He says in, in verse 36, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and then the other at your left in your glory. You see, living to be served. They wanted the status of sitting at the right and the left hand of Jesus in all of his glory. And I mean, don't we want that as well, just naturally and humanly? Don't we want the picture with the celebrity or the picture with the politician? Uh, don't we want to receive that accolade from our boss or from the team? Don't we want that prestige and honor? Don't we want those things? I mean, has anybody else seen Inventing Anna or the Fire Festival documentaries? This is something that we just kind of desire. See, the disciples too, they wanted it. They were living to be served. When the narrative here, Jesus seems really um, patient with them, or maybe he's just exhausted because he's been telling them over and over again, and they're still not getting it. And so he tells these two geniuses that are standing in front of him right here in verse 38. He says, you don't know what you're asking, even though you should know, because I've been telling you for almost three years, I've been showing you what the life of faith looks like in Christ and living it out in front of you, and you still don't get it. In verse 38, he says, can you drink the cup I drink from? Or can you be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Almost immediately they say, we can. They say we can. See, Jesus, he's been teaching these guys for some time. He's been sharing them stories. He's been predicting his suffering until he was almost blue in the face, and they still don't get it. He's been teaching that if you want to be great in this life and in this life to come, Jesus says, and you have to join me in selflessness, dying to serve. Jesus goes on to paint a picture of what this looks like as he tells the two there that are in front of him. He says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, that they lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus was dying to serve so that we may live to serve. See, we live in this habit of serving. 
This means that we give up our human desire for honor and power and status. We don't ask Jesus for human position and human wealth and human power and status. See, instead we ask Jesus to help us look, live, and love like him in service to others and for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. You see, human position and access If our position and access to the divine, if it's for prestige and power and respect and wealth, then the great proverb becomes alive in our life. Where Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18 tells us, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. See, if access to the Savior is for selfish gain, then destruction is right around the corner for us. But if we live our life in the way of Jesus, if we live our life in the way that we were created to live, then we got to look to Jesus. This is why the Apostle Paul always points us back to Jesus. And he does that right here in Philippians chapter 2. He's pointing us back to the story that we're seeing here in Mark. In verse 5, he says, In your relationships with one another, He says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature, God did not, uh, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Y'all, that's it right there. Really, nothing more needs to be said because Paul, he lays it all out there for us. Who the Savior is, what he did for us, and how our life should be this life of service in response to this incredible gift of God. Do you see that kind of upside-downness of this life of faith? It's upside-down because it's really right-side-up. Does that make any sense at all? Listen, if you want to be great, well, to be honest, we're probably starting off on the wrong foot there, right? Because our desire is not to showcase ourselves and our own talents and our abilities. It's to showcase His. And friends, this church is filled with so many incredible saints who prove that it's all about Jesus and not about them. One of them that comes to mind is uh, Elena and Adam, one of our church's most faithful servants. You know, when this building was closed down because the roads were kind of slick and all the parents got to stay home with their kids again, um, they still came in because the roof was leaking around the building. See, they're here serving you and me. They're serving the church. They're serving Christ. A lot of times I got to beg them to go home already. Showcasing them uh, would absolutely be mortifying for them, so I would never do that from the stage. I would never showcase Elena and Adam from the platform, not at all. This would never happen, and it never did. But Elena and Adam, y'all, they would never care 
If you ever knew that it was them maintaining this place so that you and I could have a place to gather together in this way, they would never care because it's about him. It's about Jesus. In the same way, all that we do and all that we say is for his glory, not mine. And so I pray that whenever you hear my words spoken in a message, I pray that you hear Jesus When the band sings over us, I pray that you hear Jesus singing over you. When communion is being served by our communion assistants, I pray that you feel the presence of our Savior's grace and forgiveness nourishing you. You see, if the Son came not to be seen, but to make the Father seen, if the Son came not to be served, but to serve to the point of death, then everyone who claims the name of Christ, us too. Friends, we must be content in selflessness. We must find contentment and joy in God getting all the glory. Just like John the Baptist once said, he must become greater, I must become less. Philippians chapter 2 here makes it abundantly clear that Jesus is the greatest of all. And as the greatest of all, he was willing to become the least of all. And as Christ made himself the least of all to the point of death on a cross for all of our sickness, uh, sin sickness to be the remedy, see, that was when God exalted him again. This is what makes his name the greatest name above all names. And it's in that name that we live and we move and we have our being. See, our being... It's back to the original design for humanity living to serve others. It's back to the start. Friends, spiritualists and and universalists and everyone who just thinks that this ethic of Jesus is a really good lofty ideal that really anybody can live up for and reach for, y'all, that's not enough. You see, the ethic of Jesus, it's not just the golden rule in the way that we perceive it to be of just a do unto others what you would have others do unto you. You see, that sort of golden rule, you could just take it anywhere, right? You could take that into atheism and selfishness and Buddhism, whatever, wherever it's super palatable, anybody can digest that sort of golden rule. But when we say, no, 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 look at this, the golden rule is much more than that. The golden rule is this, that the God of all creation took on the form of flesh and blood and came to dwell among us. He was touched with the feeling of all of our infirmities. He came to tell us the way and he lived the way out in front of humanity. And then he did what he was supposed to do according to the scriptures and the prophecies that we find in Isaiah about our Messiah King. Yeah, he died. And he didn't die just because he was some nice guy or because he was some sort of a martyr for us. No, no, no. He took on all the sins of all of humanity and that weight nailed him to the cross where he died. And then three days later, he rose again to prove to all of creation that he is who he and the Father say he is. And he invites us to live in the victory that he created for us. So that when you believe in the one who was sent, 
When you believe that he lived and he died and he rose for you, oh my God, to whom much has been forgiven, much is loved. All you can do is live your life in devotion to the one who saved you. Now that's the golden rule. That's the golden rule. Because you realize, you realize I'm saved. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm saved by the one who loves me beyond a love that I've ever known. Original love, original love loves me. So all I could do is live my life in service. So that if I'm a stay-at-home parent, I do it for the glory of God. As I serve in Kid Street or in the cafe, I do it for the glory of God. If I'm a physical therapist or a realtor or Uber driver or a teacher or a graphic designer, I do it for the glory of God. All that I do and all that I am is in service to the one who loved me first. And so I love him back. Say, I love these habits that we're going through because for the Christian, it just makes sense. It just makes sense that we would see the value in Christian worship together in the way that we are right now. You see, for the Christian, it just makes sense that I would serve the church and fund her mission. For the Christian, it just makes sense that I would give this new life that I've been given back to the one who gave it to me. You see, God called us right where we are, with what we already have, to make a difference in what we already care about and are doing. You see the freedom in that? Like you don't have to go to seminary or go on a trip or do this or that. No, no, no. God has already called us right where we are with what we already have to make a difference in what we already care about and are doing. We just are. And we just do. Just like fallen humanity is naturally selfish, born again humans, Christians, we naturally reflect our namesake, Christ. And as we do, would you be patient with yourself? Would you be kind to yourself? Would you forgive yourself? Because our sweet, beautiful, strong Savior already has, and He always will. Listen, He's cheering you on. Do you, do you hear Him uh, interceding for you? Because He knows that you can do it. He knows that you can do it because He knows whose you are. You are His. And He gave you the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. He gave you that same Spirit to empower you to service. That's what it means to be great. Friends, that's where joy is found, and that's who we are called to be. Dry bones no more. We're walking in the flesh and in the blood of the Savior who we commune with. Praise God for that, our ever-present help. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your goodness and thank you for your love.
your love that overflows. God, I pray that even right now as we sit in this presence of you, God, that you would be filling us up with your love and with your grace, God, so that we can give an outpouring of an offering to you and to those around us. Lord, I pray that if there's any of us here that are feeling spiritually dry or exhausted, Lord, right now, would you be filling us up to overflow with your presence and with your love. Lord, I pray for those who might be here or listening online, God, who um, are still on this spiritual journey, not yet convinced that you are who you say you are. God, I pray that you would just continue to reveal your goodness and reveal your love to them and to us, Father. Thank you that you do and you will and you always will. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Trinity Podcast. We hope this week's message encouraged you to consider the claims of Jesus in a new way, and we would love to have you join us for worship on the weekend. To find a location near you, visit www.tlc4u.org.